Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Who's ready for some Masters golf? Who's ready for some NFL? There's very little that can pull me away from the NFL. The Ryder Cup, maybe. It depends on how it's going. I kind of check in on it, but I tend to stay more on the NFL. NFL this weekend, there, there are some, uh, there's some good games. Uh, the afternoon game on, uh, on Fox in this part of the country is going to be the Seahawks and the Rams. Seahawks are 6-2. and two. The Rams are 5-3. and three. The Seahawks' defense has been shaky. The offense has been excellent. Uh, the, the Seahawks haven't really gotten a, a chance to play in the division much. They lost to the Cardinals and they beat the Niners. Um, they've still got to play the Cardinals and Niners again, and they've got two games. This is the first of two games with the Rams. So, um, you know, they, they've cleaned up, but when you look back at who Seattle has beaten, um, probably the Dolphins are their best win. I mean, Falcons and Patriots and Cowboys and Vikings and Niners. And you got a lot of teams losing records in there, you know, which is great. You beat the teams you're supposed to beat, but you play the Cardinals and Bills who have winning records and you go down. So I think that is a, a huge game in the West with two games to go if either team can, can sweep it. I think Arizona's got the toughest schedule down the stretch. Uh, so I think in Seattle and the Rams, you know, they both got some guys, both teams have had turnover, but they both have some guys, including their quarterbacks, who've been to Super Bowls. And the Cardinals are counting on a younger team. Uh, certainly a younger quarterback, let's put it that way. So intriguing game there. Um, that's uh, that's an interesting game here down the stretch. Uh, there, there are other interesting games. I think there are interesting teams that are going to win in walkovers. Uh, I think the Raiders are a playoff team. Uh, the Broncos are three and five and have been playing a little better, so it's still a test, still interesting. And the Broncos certainly could get that game. Um, the Steelers are undefeated. Pittsburgh's the last undefeated team in the NFL, and I would expect it stays that way. Um, they're playing the Bengals. I think the big key is how is Roethlisberger? Uh, he got hurt in that Dallas game, and he was limping around back there. And then he went on the COVID list. And I think he's going to play, and I've read stories he's going to play. So we'll assume that he's good and that it's just uh, – it's not that he has COVID, but he's been around somebody who has. So, you know, they got to isolate him and test him and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they're sitting here at 8-0. Now, they've beaten the Titans and the Ravens. Both are tight games, uh, 27-24 and 28-24. Those are their kind of two big wins. Other than that, they've kind of been beaten up on – Well, I guess how do you – Count Cleveland because Cleveland does have a winning record. They're five and three. I'm not impressed. Maybe I'm holding the last 20 years against them. That could be the problem. Um, but you would think uh, Cincinnati's two and five with that tie against uh, two five and one with that tie against Philadelphia, uh, and the Steelers don't have that many tough games down the stretch either. Um, you know they, they got to play the Ravens again, and that's a big game, and they have to go to Buffalo to play the Bills. Uh, Colts at home, I, they've got a nice record. That's um, so okay, you know. I, I, you know, it's, some of these teams they they've got the record. Who they beaten? You know, we're going to know more in a month. I mean, basically is what it kind of is going to come down to. Some of these teams that are, you know, five and four, six and three, even some of the teams sitting at seven and two. And you know, I still want to see you tested. You know, unless you got the big team, big time pedigree. I expect the Packers are going to seven and two this weekend. They're going to play the Jaguars who are 1-7. Why is Jacksonville always a mess? Can they ever get untracked? Have they had like three good teams in their history? How many times has Jacksonville ended up in the playoffs? 
I remember once in like their second year, they got to an AFC title game against all odds against Denver and and lost. And everybody thought, oh, this could be the start of something. And it really, it really wasn't. There wasn't much there. And they're down again this year. And uh, I would expect that uh, you know that's another easy W. Uh, they won that AFC title game against the Patriots three years ago, and that's their only playoff berth in 13 years. Sitting on three playoff berths in 20 years. Yeah, yuck. So, uh, there's some of the big games in the NFL this weekend. The uh, The Sunday night game is Ravens-Patriots, which sounds good on paper, but the Patriots are 3-5 and five and can't really move the ball. I would expect the Ravens would win would win that game. So, Bucks ought to bounce back. They got the three and six Panthers. So, the Bucks ought to improve. I expect them to get out of this seven and three. And the Eagles continue their drive. Big game. Eagles have three wins. Giants have two. Enormous game for the Eagles against the Giants. Huge game in the NFC East. All right, DJ PK, enough of the pro football. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk some uh, college football and some jazz. The draft is coming up next week. Craig Bowlerjack coming up next. Stay with us for that and Aaron Roderick. BYU passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach. He's later. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. Time to talk a little basketball with Craig Bowlerjack. We had him on late in yesterday's show, so... Few of the daily references are off, but you get the gist of it as we look forward to the NBA draft and the start of another season. A little more than a month ago, and we'll be underway. And Bowler fixated on free agency, expecting some big stuff. Here's Bowler with PKNI. Bowler's weekly interview presented by University of Utah Health, trusted healthcare provider for the Utah Jazz family and yours. Bowler, good morning. DJ PK, how are you? Good. You know, I hear I hear you're having early lunch or brunch. What's going on? Uh, it's a taste of the masters. Bob Casper ah. and Brian Taylor. If you are, if you're a um, uh, ticket holder, a patron, or if you're a media person, basically you're on file with the Masters, right? Because you can't go there, and they have all the food, and everybody looks forward to that. You can now order it online if you're in that group of people. And so they just brought in the pimento and the egg salad, and yeah. So there you go. So I'm not I'm not eating until uh, five or six o'clock tonight. That's for sure. Holy cow! <laughs> I, think I'm, I think I'm good to go here for a while. And in a perfect timing, in the last break, I just had a read for NJ Diet. I heard, I heard. You got your <laughs> shot in. I saw. Gotcha. Yeah, well, wow. DJ's stuffing his face. There's fourteen. Nope, fifteen hundred, sixteen hundred calories. Have another okay. chip. Truth be told. During yep. the break, mm-hmm. I had just finished some pancakes, so I'm right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Bowler, have you had anything to eat yet? You know what? I have my morning staple of English muffin, and sometimes I throw an egg on it. You know? That's kind of an English muffin. I don't know why I'm hooked on those right now. Heard of breakfast at Wimbledon? I think breakfast with Bowler. There's a little off-season <laughs> opportunity for you financially, Bowler, right there. Yeah, there you go. All right, so uh, PK always loves it when we get scriptural on the show. 40 days and 40 nights, Bowler. That's what you've got to the NBA opener. 
40 days and 40 nights. Uh, it's hard to believe, man. It's it's such a – it hasn't hit us yet, but it's going to be a really quick turnaround uh, once the draft hits next week. And then, obviously, free agency is going to be a storm. I really – I think it's just going to be just – what do you do? I mean, it's going to have to be fast and furious. I'm excited to see where it goes. Camp on the first. Come on. It's hard to believe. Hard to believe. Yeah, I'm a fired up for the draft. What's that uh, coming up on Tuesday, right? Seventeenth. Uh, that's a day, that's a day. Uh, let's see, I've got it. The Wednesday. I think it's the eighteenth. Oh, Wednesday, eighteenth. Okay. Yeah. All Wednesday. right. So I got to wait a day. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm excited for that because, you know, as I look at and and we're going into somewhat of uncharted territory regarding the finances of the league because you know, life is not normal as we know it, but to me as I see it because of this unknown and how you have to pay guys when they come up and we know Go Bears coming up for the super max and then Donovan Mitchell is going to get every penny that he has earned the right to get and all that so you're paying out huge money so the point being you've got to find rotation guys in the draft because you can't just pay the max to everybody and so rotation guys obviously can be younger guys who aren't going to command as much because of the structure so I'm looking at this draft for the Jazz pretty much every team really when you think about it but we focus here on the Jazz as being super crucial crucial because they got to get some young guys that they can count on to be in a rotation. DK, uh, it's it's what the Jazz have always hung their hat on, as you know, is development. And at 23, not sure what you get in this year's draft, but you want a player that at least fits the need, right, which is wing, uh, shooter, defender. I mean, it's a whole combo package. It, you know, the perfect size at 6'5 or 6'6 with the wingspan and a defender uh, and also a guy who can uh, help you off the bench with, with scoring as well. So, yeah. Uh, it's, I think every team wants that type of prototype player that fits, quote, their system. And this year is no different. You know, what What do the Jazz have on the bench that they can hang their hat on and feel comfortable with? I mean, are they still going to put, you know, take a hard look at Mieoni, uh, Rajon Tucker, uh, you know, what, what the future of uh, George Niang? And then, of course, as you mentioned, the cash that's going to have to be spent to keep Jordan Clarkson um, and others. So, yeah, every, every time you have a draft, you got to make good decisions that, that's going to help your team and hopefully you know, develop into somebody that can give you, you know, nine, ten minutes a night and be productive and maybe grow into a, a, an actual you know, consistent rotation player. So I've been trying to figure out where I sit on the draft. What is the um... – <clears throat> What is the right uh, expression, right? Because uh, PK makes a point that a lot of people have made, and it's spot on. You can't pay everybody. You got to have a rotation player or two on a rookie contract because you right. just can't afford, or or a veteran minimum because you just can't afford, you know, a bunch of uh, not only a bunch of max players, but you can't even afford a bunch of ten and fifteen million dollar players. So at the same time, I feel like I'm going in this draft, and and I hear Dennis Lindsay's uh, quote. You know, and he says, well, we're looking for someone who can shoot the three without sacrificing, you know, their uh, defensive, I forget the word he used, structure or something like that. Um, and I'm thinking, okay, that sounds good, but isn't that what everybody wants? Everybody wants a guy who can hit the three sure. and defend. Sure. And you're going to be drafting in the 20s, and somebody might slip to you and you might hit. But to a large degree, guys like that are getting identified, right? So 
I'm thinking that I don't have no expectations. You can't have no expectations. This is a draft. you got to get something. I'm thinking of what I have is delayed expectations, that I don't really expect whoever they get this year to be the person who steps in a rotation. I think I'm really looking at those... You know, depending on how you count it, two to three to four guys that they were kind of, you know, basically G League guys that they were test driving. You kind of jumped it in your last answer there, but I want you to kind of look at the Mieonis and the Tuckers and the, you know, whoever, Brantley. Who do you think is best equipped to step in and be that 20 minute a night guy? and take that step forward while the next draft pick goes through that whole process and is probably a year or two away from doing that. Right. Well, I know the Jazz, DJ, try to give the three guys you just mentioned a lot of looks in those scrimmage games and as much as they could in the bubble uh, in those restart games as well. And I'm intrigued by a couple guys. Athletically, you know, Rajon Tucker uh, can jump out of the gym, rebound, or just just an athlete. Uh, and then Mieoni is intriguing to me, maybe not for some, but I just think when I've watched him uh, work out against Dante Exum, he's a more physical specimen of what Dante uh, and and you know Dante struggled with injuries throughout his career, but I, I think Mieoni intrigues me just because of his size and his length, and plus he he has kind of a bullish attitude as well. So those guys kind of just caught my eye but again uh those type of players you would say there's many out there that you can develop and you have to hit as you said on one that just really takes it to the that the nba actually allows him to take his game or his skill set you know to another level kyle kuzma kind of comes to mind when you think of him as a collegiate player solid but yet the system with the lakers he's been able to blossom and I think is has become a much better pro than than some expected. So it's it's kind of like those hits that you're mentioning, uh, and those are rare. But that's why you have scouts, and that's why you have you know developmental staff uh, with your franchise. And we'll see what happens. But you know I think overall, PK and DJ, I don't know if this draft was really given a high grade. I think there's eight to nine players that are. They have, you know, that are intriguing. Um, then after that, I think it's the scouting and, and what are you hoping to get and what your expectations are. Um, so, again, we'll wait and see. But the Jazz have done a pretty good job at finding some, some diamonds in the rough. You know, look at George Niang, look at Royce O'Neal. And so their, their program has, has, has worked, and you hope that it continues to do so. Well, I have a different level. I, I'm, I'm holding them accountable with the 23rd pick. And I want them to get a player. I'm, I'm not buying this stuff. That uh, the, the, all that other stuff to me is just excuses. No, your job is to go find players, and that's what they're charged to do. And I believe that's the way they think about it too. You look at Jordan Clarkson; uh, he was the 46th pick of the draft, and he's on our minds here because he's with the Jazz. Right. And his first year now wasn't great Laker team, but his first year he averaged 25 minutes a game, and he was the 46th pick. So, obviously, that's uh, well into the second round. So, in my mind, yeah, when you talk about those eight and nine players, those those might be difference makers on their own. I don't know if there's that many, because there probably isn't. But, you know, those guys would would play no matter what, uh, where, when they're drafted. But I'm looking at the depth of every draft has players that you could find and put in your rotation. And this is the essence of what this stuff is about. And it's what Justin Zanuck and Dennis Lindsay and all those folks are charged to do. It's not easy. 
And I just I get paid to second guess, not first guess. So I believe that there's guys out there, and I know Locke, I've talked to him a number of times on this Josh Green kid. I don't know yeah. that he'll be available, but he loves Josh Green. And the way I look at it, uh, years ago, he was the first guy who told me about this gangly kid from France. And we know what that gangly kid from France turned into. So I still say I'm expecting them to find a rotation player beginning on Wednesday. Can't argue. I think they're hard to find. But you know what separates the PK and the guys you mentioned? I think you have to find the guy with a chip on his shoulder who believes he's better than what the drafts, the so-called experts, give to him on draft day. Gobert fits that. Clarkson fits that. Royce O'Neal fits that mold of just the edge. Um, How many times have we talked about top ten guys who just the expectations were there and they failed? But there's always something to be said about even a Malone and a Stockton who are taken you know, later in the draft that motivates them. Gobert wears 27 for a reason to constantly remind himself, right? So if you can find that athlete, though, that, that pushes himself past the expectations or whatever they say on the draft board and how they look at him and how they think he'll you know, develop, I, I think you're right. There are those players you have to find, and I'm not sure you know, how you get to know them personally and understand the edge, which really separates them from being a Tony, well, uh, excuse me, a uh, Patty Mills, so to speak. You know, guys that are out there that can play at a high level because, you know, they want to prove people wrong. And those are the type of guys you want to try to put in your, uh, on your roster as well. Craig Bolajak joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Do uh, you have any big free agent moves you're anticipating? You said it was going to be crazy. I've always I've kind of wondered how much it's going to be limited by money and the fact that most of the best players are signed for another year and the guys who have opt-outs aren't going to use them because this would be the worst possible time to opt-out and expect big money. So I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be minimized to the top. Is there some value shopping you're looking at or are there a couple big-time players you're looking at? Well, you know, it's just talk. I mean, I, I think there's people that need to be taken care of in the sense of, you know, getting it done in a very quick period of time. Like Gobert, what are they going to do with Rudy? Make a decision there with Clarkson uh, and obviously sign and, and take care of, of Donovan Mitchell. You know, when you read and you think of what's – Kumbo, are players going to force trades? What about Houston? What about the Harden-Westbrook, you know, debate or stories? And I guess – what is there a report last night that Westbrook wants out out of Houston late last night? Yeah. yeah. So I, I just think that I think players some will force the the you know force franchises to make moves, and that's something I'm not a big fan of. But it does happen. Everyone's searching for the title, PK, right? And DJ, and I think Westbrook and Harden both are at that time of their career where they're trying to validate you know all the you know all the awards they've already they've captured but they're still missing uh, the ring uh, I mean you look at what Kevin Durant did I mean bull move to go and he got it you know Kawhi was traded up to Toronto got it and then goes to LA you know with the Clippers I don't know I just think there'll be some big names that force some issues that we'll have to watch out for and then a lot of teams have to get some things done and make some big financial decisions uh, because of the cap. Pretty much stand where it was, right? So, and with, with the ownership of the Jazz, I'm not real sure. Maybe you guys know during this 
transition period before the Board of Governors actually okay the sale. I know they've got Steve Starks as a liaison or uh, can, you know, can work between the two ownership groups, but I'm not sure if Ryan's over there in the corner giving a thumbs up on spending what will be his money. So that intrigues me, too, on on some of the situations that Jazz are going to be dealt here in the next uh, week or two. I think, uh, you know, first part concern in the free agency is re-signing Clarkson and you were with him for a good long time before everything got shut down after he got traded and it seems like it was a good situation he was basically handed the ball and said go do your thing so what do you think he's thinking I know it's impossible to say for sure but as far as you can get the money and you're going to be rich no matter where you go but situations matter and it seems like he's in a great situation here PK, spot on. I mean, look, I don't know. I, I'll never be at that level, not, any of us, uh, except for DJ. You know what his salary structure is like. <laughs> oh, it's um, a joke, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, but I'm eating fifty egg salad sandwiches, <laughs> so, you know. Save your money. No, I'm kidding. But the bottom line is, I think you're right. Situations. What You know, you can make all the money in the world, but your life uh, on the floor can just be hell in the sense of losing on it on every given night. Great, I'm making a check. I'm bringing it home. And maybe that's okay for some. I think, you know, the three of us, and we talk and you know for years, is there's a competitive nature. You have got to find a place that gives you the ability to grow and compete. I may be blown in the wind, but I believe that for me. I would rather be on a team in a situation like a Jordan Clarkson and where he was given the ball PK well said and that the green light was his and he owned the second unit that was his that was his five guys and was leading them on the floor you can't think of a better situation okay call me crazy but if it's a a million dollar difference between going to Charlotte uh or and again um Sacramento has athletes. They may be on the jump a little bit this year, but I'm just thinking to myself, I'd rather be in a competitive situation with teammates I like and have an opportunity to really uh, compete for a Western Conference championship rather than just sit and sulk, collect my check, and know that I may win 12 games, 15 at the most. To me, that, that to me is a total game changer. I think Jordan's got a great opportunity here to continue a career and showcase his talents. That's me. But again, the Jazz have got to see the same thing and wonder if they can afford all the above mentioned uh, with Gobert and Donovan. Uh, But that bench, PK, DJ, you saw the turnaround. You saw it immediately when the trade was made and Clarkson took that second unit as a sixth man. I mean, it was just dynamite. And I thought it made a big difference in the way the Jazz played the, well, what, the, the next 20 games before the league shut down. Bowler, as always, we appreciate a few minutes, except for the cheap shots at me, my weight, and uh, my salary. <laughs> hey, man, what's a Thursday? Right, PK, man? We call well, earlier. Sort we, of let's an, team up on it. An oxymoron. Cheap shots, using the word cheap uh-huh. at his salary. Uh-huh. Talk about an oxymoron right yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> nyuk, 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 nyuk. <laughs> All right, more wordplay with PK coming up. Bowler, we will let you go. You can go back to that uh, English muffin and possibly an egg. An egg. Yeah, I think I'll throw an egg on it now. I'm going to have my 17th (laughs) sandwich. Thanks, Bowler. (laughs) See you, guys. There's Craig Bowlerjack. When we come back, 
A-Rod, Aaron Roderick, passing game coordinator, quarterbacks coach for BYU. He's next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Aaron Roderick, BYU passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Aaron, good morning. Good morning, guys. What's going on? Oh, we're just sitting here talking about a BYU offense. It looks like uh, somebody got really good at video games and went back and selected the <laughs> easiest settings so they could put up bizarro numbers and just blow everything away. Is that what you've done? Have you reset the level on this video game? Uh, yeah. Well, there have been some, some pretty good games this year where we're, um, you know, we're being pretty aggressive and but it, it's been a three-year process. You know, we, we went all in. Most of the guys that are playing for us right now are in their third year in our offense, and we went all in with, with those guys, you know, in year one and kind of took our lumps and just tried to hang around and keep the games close. And then last year we, we got better, even though our record didn't show it. We knew we were getting a lot better on offense, and we could feel it, and we saw some, we saw a lot of progress. There were a couple of really disappointing losses last year, but – also, some wins that were that were good wins that showed us we were going the right way, and then we all kind of had a feeling we were going to be pretty good this year. I mean, none of us were popping off about it or anything, but we we had a, our staff had a really good feeling that we were going to be great on offense, and um, so it's been a process and it's fun now that our players are seeing that what we've been preaching this whole time works if we all work together and do it the right way. We know we've known you for a number of years. Your guy keeps it low key, doesn't draw attention to yourself. But you see, Zach Wilson goes on Twitter. You probably saw it. Speaking of you, silent impact on the team, his dedication, scheme, and passion are never talked about. Thank you for believing me and helping me evolve into the QB I've always wanted to be. And he puts a picture of you. It looks like you're at the Boise game and you're uh, after the game and you're. Uh, with him and all that and as i say you don't really tout your own horn i mean i'm, I'm not saying you're john beck here but what did that make you think and how'd you feel when you saw that <laughs> yeah i'm definitely no john beck that's for sure <laughs> uh no <laughs> uh, i'm joking i love john beck yeah, but uh yeah that was uh, you know i didn't even hear so i've kind of been avoiding social media this season as much as i can and i heard i didn't even hear about that until I think it was a day and a half later after he posted it. I was really humbled. That was that was uh, nice of him to say that. And that picture was, uh, I think we were the last two guys on the field after the game because um, I was actually arguing with the, uh, some of the Boise State people in the booth that that, that his uh, that that one pass was a touchdown pass. Like, hey, we, we've scored like five touchdowns on that play, and it's been a touchdown pass every time, and now you guys are counting as a rush. I argued with them after the game, just, just, uh, you know, just for him, you know, I just feel like I, I wanted to, I wanted to do that for him. And, uh, anyway, so we were, we were like the last guys on the field and I ran up to him and we had a good moment. It was, it's been, it's been fun, uh, watching him grow and watching him grow as a leader. And, 
I'm not surprised at all about how well he's playing. I think he's been a really good player the whole time he's been here. And um, he's just, right now, he's just really in control, and he's got excellent play around him. That's been the biggest difference this year is the other 10 guys on the field are are all executing at a higher level than they ever have. And, and um, so it's really allowing him to show, show how good he is. So where is the most improvement happening? Because it's nearly perfect. You know, when you're completing 75% of your passes and you've got 22 touchdowns and two interceptions and you're throwing for 314 yards a game, they really are video game numbers. Has he improved that yeah. much? Is the I mean, his protection at times is yeah. awesome. Like, he is waiting for guys to get downfield, and there is like, you could just you could just take a pen and draw a perfect semicircle around him. And at the same time, he's got receivers and now a tight end, putting up huge numbers. Where's the most improvement happening on the offense? Um, well, it's hard to pick just one area. I would say the first thing was with Zach, um, he, you know, I know it's been said over and over how he hasn't been healthy, but I don't, you can't overstate how not healthy he was a year ago. I mean, he literally was on a very strict pitch count all the way up until the week of the Utah game. And, I mean, limited throws in practice, and he was he was blooping the ball just to throw like a simple 10-yard out route. He was throwing a rainbow and just trying to be quick with his feet and get it out on time to get it there. And, and, uh, and then it got a little better and a little better as the season was going on, but not – not uh was never near what he was capable of and then breaks his thumb breaks his thumb making a tackle on his throwing hand and comes back from that in four weeks which when he first did it they told us it would be six weeks minimum and he came back in four weeks and played with almost no flexibility in his thumb and uh and, and just wasn't himself but he, he I think he earned a lot of respect from his teammates that he, he could have easily just opted out and said I'm going to redshirt this year Baylor, Jaron, go at, go at, go at it, you know. And he, he played hurt. And I think his teammates saw how he played hurt. And even though it wasn't always pretty, he, I think he learned a lot about uh, just how to compete. And then, so then, uh, I think that the, like the areas of improvement this year, I think every week people underestimate how good our receivers are. I think it's just, I think it's just Gunner and Dax just look like your next door neighbor, you know, Blue Scouts. And uh, but every week. People underestimate how good those guys are. They're 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 not just overachievers. They're really good, athletic, fast guys that make plays down the field. Um, our offensive line is is uh, we knew they were going to be good, but it, they've been even better than I expected. We we started I think I think we started nine or ten different guys this year on the line on the line. We've got depth there. Um, we've got versatility. A lot of those guys are multiple position guys, and uh, they're playing really well. And then can't say enough about Isaac Rex just stepping up. I mean, to lose a guy like Matt Bushman was devastating. And uh, Isaac has really stepped up. And the other tight ends have as well. But it's, I think it's pretty apparent that Isaac's a special player. And and so and, and our running backs have all improved. So it's, it's across the board. I mean, it's just been fun to watch. And um, we've got good coaches on our staff, I think, that have done a good job. Bringing those guys, bringing those guys along, and then finding schemes that feature what they do well, and um, and then the last thing I would say is we made a conscious conscious effort that we were going to throw the ball down the field this year. I know people say that, and, and but we are 
uh, you know, I made this comment in the media staff meeting one day. I said, I don't want to pump more. I just want to throw it farther. And so we're doing that. We're, we're taking our shots, and we're not afraid to be second and ten. You know, but we're going to take our shots, and uh, we're landing more of them than, uh, uh, you know, than we have in the past. And, and uh, so it's been fun. So you talk about three years ago when you were taking your lumps, and I think that you acknowledge that part of your success is due to continuity and experience, and so you are you are where you are. So at that point three years ago, was it just circumstantial, or was it a, a plan, hey, we're going to go with these guys knowing that there's going to be a payoff down the line? It was a little bit of both, but a lot of it was the plan from the beginning. I mean, Jeff Grimes, I give him credit. The first staffing we ever had, he said, let's talk about what what characteristics do, do BYU football players have that we can build on. Like, what, what are we? Who, who can we be? What can we do better than other teams? And we all agreed that we could be more reliable than other teams. Uh, we got the, the type of kids that – are reliable and you can count on them and they're going to do what they're coached to do. And, uh, and then we all agreed that we could be a big uh, physical team. And that's, you know, BYU teams of the past. You, know, you, you don't you, – some years you may have a great wide receiver. You might have an Austin Collie and some years you might not. You know, some years you might have a Jamal in the backfield or a Luke Staley in the backfield. Some years you might not. But BYU should always have a big physical offensive line. BYU should always have good quarterback play. And BYU should always be a group of guys that are reliable, that can execute what they're being asked to do. And so we that that was Grimey's, you know, initial first meeting we ever had. And it just so happened that that year we had some young guys that were there and needed to play, and we just we just went with them. And I think uh, you know we're seeing that we're seeing that payoff now. And uh, well. What's really fun about it is this still almost all of them can come back. I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of guys that are returning that can, they can uh, you know, it's, this, this isn't going to slow down, I don't think, anytime soon. You know, that's true, but we've also, uh, we've also talked to former BYU players who played in the NFL and said, project these guys to the, to the NFL, and they all think that there's a half dozen NFL guys on your team, and there could be more than that. So how much have you been trying to use some of the time when you know, you're ahead in the fourth quarter to bring guys along because you could be losing a lot of guys a little earlier than you expected? Yeah, we'll we'll have some guys go to the NFL, I'm sure, and but that's a good thing for the program. I mean, all, all those years I was at Utah, uh, we we had we'd lose guys to the NFL every year, and and uh, I thought, uh, first of all, I thought Kyle always did an awesome job of giving those guys advice, about, especially the ones who maybe had a chance to leave early. He always gave great advice to those guys, and uh, and then it would you know like truly in the best interest of the kid kind of advice, not just you know like hoping that we can win more games next year. He, he was always about the, the kid first. And I think, uh, I know Kalani will do the same thing with our players. Um, and then, yeah, we've been, we've played a lot of different people this year. We've had a lot of opportunities to get reps for guys that maybe they're not the starter right now, but they're close to the starter. I mean, we've got unbelievable competition at O-line. I mean, some of the, some of the second team guys are just right there with the starters. And, uh, that's, so we've been getting those guys in a lot. Same thing with a tight end. We've got depth there. We've got some good young players that have played a lot this year. 
Uh, Isaac's gotten the most, the majority of the attention, but there's three or four other guys. And, uh, Dallin Holker coming home from a mission soon, who started as a freshman. So uh, we're, we're working those guys in. And then the other thing is we've practiced a lot. I mean, we've, we've gotten more practice maybe than any team in the country this year. And so that's been a good chance to get young players reps. And so uh, same with some of our younger quarterbacks and stuff are getting reps in practice that uh, here and there, you know, these bye weeks or, or whether they're scout team reps or whatever, they still add up. And so um, I'm, I'm excited about the future. So speaking of the future, I got a, recruit, a recruiting question that I wanted to ask you as far as it's somewhat of a double-edged sword. There's probably more LDS football talent out there than ever, but at the same time, some of it – is going to other places. Stanford's got a number, obviously the in-state schools, and so you know the idea of recruiting the LDS kid is really just yeah. like recruiting any other kid. With the success that you're having this year, how much do you think that that can give you some more ammunition to maybe get more of that talent that is going to other places? Well, we hope it will, and uh, I think I think it will. I think also that. One thing that kind of gets overlooked in recruiting is, um, you know, there are more good players in Utah than than Utah and BYU could possibly recruit every year. And I mean, it's a, the number's too large to take them all. And I'm talking about good players, like Pac-12, you know, Power Five level players. Uh, you know, and and so you got you can only sign 25 players per year, and then you divide that 25 up into how many different position groups there are on the team, you're usually talking about taking one or two guys per position group. And, you know, in a, in a, in a wild year, you might maybe take three linemen or, or three offensive linemen or maybe a third receiver or something. Most years you're taking one or two guys per position. And then when you kind of break that down by which position groups are really thriving in this state and which types of, you know, guys are available – I don't think Utah is always just losing those guys to other Pac-12 teams. I think more often than not, they're going all in on the ones they really want, and sometimes it might look like they lost the guy somewhere else. And I think that's the same case with us as well. I mean, we we zero in on the ones that we think are a great fit for us. Uh, obviously, we have some other things that, you know, with, with our, our school being a private school, we have to make sure we're recruiting guys that want to be at BYU and fit, but also – uh, sometimes it's just like, you know, we only have a spot or two and it's this certain position and we really need that position, so we go all in on this guy. And there might be a really good player around around the corner that looks like, oh, how could you guys lose this guy? And it's just like, well, we didn't we, – we love him, but we didn't have a spot, you know. And I think that happens a lot more in recruiting than people realize. And so, yes, there are great players in the state that sometimes the in-state schools lose lose out on, but – it's not always as obvious as it might appear. Aaron Rodder joined us, BYU passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach. So as uh, the future looks bright, the present looks great, um, is there any part of you that ever says, I wish we could have played those three Pac-12 schools, I wish we could have played Minnesota and Missouri and just gone at that original schedule and see how things worked out? Yeah, we all wanted to play that schedule. you know. So, um, And unfortunately, it didn't work out. It's... It's nobody's fault, you know. Those those teams didn't they didn't duck us, and we didn't duck them. It just it was just the circumstances of this year. Um, 
but we're all competitors. We would have loved to have played it. And we hear people say how weak our schedule is or whatever. And, and uh, I don't like to talk about that because I, I have too much respect for the game to be disrespectful to the teams that we played. Um, I know this, a lot, a lot of the teams we played are every bit as good or better than the than the crappy whack teams that we played when I was a player. I mean, so, I mean, these numbers that our offense is putting up or Zach's putting up or whatever, I mean, don't don't discredit that, and especially if you want to be, compare him to quarterbacks of the past that we're playing against, you know, a bad UTEP team or, or whatever. I mean, the, he's the, Louisiana Tech had a lot of good players on that field, and so did Troy. And there was a lot of speed and good good athletes on that field that uh, the, the the whack teams that I was a player when I was a player didn't have. They didn't have that kind of athleticism that that La Tech had, and you know, playing Navy is very, very similar to playing Air Force. Maybe, you know, you could probably even say that recently Navy's been a little better than Air Force. And so, you know, I think uh, I have a lot of respect for those guys and these teams that we've been playing, and it's been fun. I mean, Boise State, what a, what a great program they are. And we uh, we had a good night against them. So, yes, we wish we could have played those teams, but we didn't get that chance. And um, so we just have to... Uh, play the games that are in front of us and then you know next season will be back to the back to the grind of, of uh trying to make it through those 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 difficult games back to back to back that'll be that'll be a challenge we'll deal with next year so zach's stock as far as nfl wise according to these mock drafts is just soaring so for the sake of argument assume he does leave and goes into the NFL. I know uh, your recruiting quarterbacks, there's one prominent here, is talked about here locally of receiving a BYU offer and a bunch of other places. I know you can't address that, so I won't ask you, but we all know the kid's name anyway. Could you just give us this, this like a little insight into the handicapping of the quarterback competition going forward if, if Zach does go to the NFL? Yeah, um, we all, I guess everybody in the program is aware that that's a possibility. I don't, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion yet, but there's a chance he could, he could leave. And uh, if he does, it'll be with him. We'll all be cheering for him. Um, but we, we've got a really good room still. I mean, um, Baylor has taken all their number two reps this season and, and done, done very well when he's gotten his chance to play. We all saw what he did last year when he played. He, he went in there and did a great job for us. Uh, Jaron Hall... Is still a very good, very good football player. He's he's been dealing with an injury. Uh, it, it, it's not like a super serious thing, but he's been. Uh, that's why you guys haven't seen him out there. He's, but we just decided to use this season to just get him right physically, and so I still have a lot of belief and hope in him. Uh, I think he's he's played very well when he's had his opportunities. He just had trouble staying healthy at, up to this point, and then. We've got two young quarterbacks in the program. Soljay Mayava as a really exciting guy, a playmaker. Different, little different style than the other guys, uh, but he can make plays. Uh, he's he's pretty fun to watch. Every time he goes in, we joke around that something exciting is about to happen, and might be good, might be bad, but he's he's pretty exciting player. And uh, and then Jacob Carnival joined us early. He was we were not expecting to get him until. Uh, January, but he's with the with the pandemic and everything. Got his mission got cut short. He was just at home, and we found a way to fit him in this fall. So he's been getting bonus reps all all season, and uh, I think 
anybody that follows BYU football knows he was a very highly recruited player uh, that was offered by just about everybody. Uh, so that, between those four guys, I think we'll be we'll be in good hands uh, if Zach decides to leave. And uh, there'll be great competition there. They're really really tight knit group, and they're they're already. I mean, it's already competition every day. I mean, they're not dumb. They know what's they know what's around the corner. Aaron Roderick, BYU passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Uh, everything is so different in 2020. Are you seeing NFL scouts the same way you used to? Are they reaching out to you by phone or text? How is this working? Because clearly you have a lot of guys are interested in. Yeah. Uh, so this year it's mostly been over the phone or Zoom or whatever. I've with the bye week I've had uh, Zoom Zoom meetings. Uh, shoot several of them. I had one with, uh, I don't know how many NFL teams were on that call. I had one with a couple teams yesterday and got two more lined up today where they're just, teams just want to know more about Zach, more in depth. And, and, uh, and I'm happy to do it. I mean, it's, you know, it's part of the job and, um, I, uh, I want to always want to promote our players and I'll do the same thing for other quarterbacks that, earn that opportunity in the future. So, But, yeah, it's mostly been done this year. You want another game if you get it or just take it as it goes? I'm sorry, what was that? If Tom can add another game, do you want it or you just take it as it goes and see what happens? Yeah, we, we would love to play. I mean, we're having so much fun playing football that nobody's, nobody's – uh, we're not, you know, taking ourselves too seriously, man. We just, we just like, we're having so much fun playing football this year and it started with fall camp when we didn't even know if we were playing or who we were playing or anything. And we were just practicing out there. It was fall camp with literally zero drudgery. Everyone was just, sounds cheesy, but everyone was just thankful to be out there playing football. And we've just kind of had that attitude all season where we're just, hey, guys, we get to play this week. Let's go. And, and you see games getting canceled all over the place and teams that didn't even start playing until we had already played six or seven games and, or eight games. I mean, I guess there's some teams that haven't played yet. We already have eight. And so we just love playing the game. And if, there, if, if we get a phone call today that, that there's a game tomorrow, we'll show up. And that's kind of been our attitude. And uh, no one's thinking too much about down the road and can we get to this or can we get to that. It's just, hey, we got a game this week. Let's go have some fun and let's let it rip. And that's how we've been playing and we'll keep it up. He's Aaron Roderick, BYU Passing Game Coordinator and QB Coach. Aaron, we love having you on. Thanks for coming on, and we will talk to you again, hopefully sooner rather than later. Well, you love having me on, but I was told that I was like the eighth choice. Like, you couldn't get Kalani, and then you couldn't get somebody else, and you couldn't get somebody else. That's that's what I was told, and that I was like the backup, backup, backup plan. But I'm still happy to do it. We will give you the bad phone number, and you can just stop <laughs> reacting to what anybody else says, and you just call your guys, your DJ and PK, whenever you want. Yeah. Yeah, give him the bad phone. He can never feel like this again. <laughs> well, that's just bull crap right there, man. That's like those crappy whack teams you were playing. That's just crappy comments right there. Yeah. No, you're number one in my heart always. That was the UTEP of radio scheduling right there. Thanks, guys. There's Aaron Roderick. Passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach at BYU. When we come back, what is trending? Boise State, Thursday night college football. An NFL game between the Colts and the Titans. A couple teams with winning records. And an update on the Masters. It's all next. Stay with us.